When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, one and all, to a brand new sparkly series of Soap from the Box Season 3. And the exciting news is this episode is being brought to you in association with Kylie Wines. Since launching in 2020, Kylie Minogue Wines have sold over 3 million bottles worldwide. And I promise it wasn't all me, making it one of the fastest growing wine brand launches ever. Today, myself and my guests will be tasting... Kylie's signature rosé. But with my guest being in Australia, it's a really tough thing when we have to open a bottle each. We will be tasting as we speak. Like the 50 episodes from series one and two, I will be speaking to the nation's biggest television stars about life on and off of set. I have directed Soap for over 10 years and want you to get to know the stars a little bit better like I do. And this new episode is even more exciting than before. I get to chat over a bottle of the amazing Kylie Minogue's Signature Rosé, an elegant bespoke blend made from Carignan and Cabernet Sauvignon grapes sourced from the sun-drenched southern French coast. Oh, take me there now. And who better to share this bottle with than her sister? Okay, we are starting the series in style with a legend, not just in soap. She's a singer, songwriter, actress, TV judge, TV personality, fashion designer, and most importantly, a mummy starting her career at the very late age of seven. She has won many accolades, including World's Most Glamorous Celeb, Best Worldwide Single, Best Female Musical Theatre Performer, World's Best Female Pop and TV Star, and Number One Woman of the Year. She is an ambassador for the Terence Higgins Trust and also the Olivia Newton-John Cancer and Wellness Centre Appeal. She's one of life's good ones, and as well as being a huge fanboy, I can also call her my friend. It is Danny Minogue, of course. Hi, Danny. Oh, my God. Thank you. What an intro. There was so much to get in there. Oh, you've literally done it all, haven't you? Uh, Yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, with the amount of Aussies you've spoken to, you would realise that we, we do learn a few different things over here it's not uncommon to see someone from the pop charts then in a soap opera then in a movie like that's normal so I feel like for the ones who um who want to do a few different things it's it's great like I'm I'm one of those people that likes to bounce from one thing to the other and that gives Gives me energy and for creativity. Yeah, I and love keeps it, it I, fresh I mean, as you... well. Everything keeps fresh, doesn't it? If you kind of move around the genres, because like you said, everyone. Yeah. I think if you've got the creative streak, you kind of do can put your hand to anything creative in a way. Yeah, and 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 COVID has certainly um, taught me <laughs> so much more about that. Not only just being creative on my own, but working with a group of people creatively and really letting people um 
like do their best and like for instance last year we're filming the mass singer during the strictest global lockdown yeah and um we by the time we got to the grand final one of our panelists had to go home to New Zealand and she was in hotel quarantine another panelist was in Sydney two panelists in which I was one of were in Melbourne our host was in Sydney and our (laughs) cast were on stage in Melbourne and we put it all together with some green screen and you know sticky tape uh and it looked incredible but if you had told us at the start of the series um one of you is going to be in a hotel room in hotel lockdown but we're going to put on the best grand final and it it really did look good the funniest thing was that the girl who was in um, hotel quarantine there's always the bit at the end of the show where we're going take it off yeah 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 and we have to scream that for about 10 minutes as well (laughs) yeah she's in a hotel room on her own and the guard outside the door (laughs) He's hearing her scream, take, take it, it off, off. <laughs> take it off. He's and like, so what he's is going on here? All going, what's going on? Like, is there somewhere else in there? And what the hell are you doing? Well, it, it was on, just on incredible. Soap, I know on Soap here, like all the actors, obviously they went back quite quickly. So Soaps were amazing. Like they were the forefront of moving things on, but they couldn't do that. They had to do their own makeup. So they got given like, uh, my friend Sam, who plays Bernice, got given like a Bernice guide. And they were like, you haven't done your eyebrows. And she's like, oh, my God, I don't know how to do my eyebrows. I don't do my eyebrows in real life. So they're all going on with these kind of wigs, like, jolted. And it's like, oh, my God. So people have just had to cope with everything. Oh, it's, yeah. And I I heard a lot about soap operas when there was, like, a passionate kiss or something. And they got the husband in or the girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, so it's just, like, I feel like creative people if you're given a budget if you're given a deadline if you're given you know something that you've got to work to we'll go over and do it creative to make it happen yeah we can so to to let everyone know how we met so we met I think it was about 19 years ago (gasps) in about 1992 because we went to Paris together to do the BBC holiday program we met on the Eurostar I remember and we were working with which now it seems mad SJ Clarkson who you know has gone on to do like everything in the world she's like one of hollywood's biggest directors now i know i know we had <laughs> the best such time. A fun time it was like it just felt like the beginning for all of us we were all together and just putting what skills we had at that time together and it was fun i just it was felt fun. like we were all we embarking were on, on our camp. journey then really because i was a researcher you kind of yeah. started you were kind of starting doing more presenting weren't you which became you know because you did some of the big, I know you did like, we'll talk about that, but you did the big breakfast on top of the pops. So you've done quite a bit of presenting. And we, it was because you're in, I think you'd just done uh, Notre, what was it? The Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Yeah. yeah. And we went to see that. I don't think we were allowed in. Um, but anyway, the podcast, <laughs> I'm throwing, throwing the rules up in the air and I've decided to present yeah. it as a special Minogue menu. So it's a listening feast where I pick the best courses and delights for a career that basically I need a whole series to do so uh, of course we will be going to home and away and emma but so to talking yeah. food wise if i was to take you for the most exclusive meal what's your meal of choice oh um oh god i'm such a foodie it's like oh getting choosing one meal one i, I mean, know i think japanese has been a big go-to yeah go-to for me for a long time 
I'm really getting into Korean food, even though I don't eat meat and a lot of it is meat based, you know, how they're barbecuing the meats, but I do love the flavors of that. Yeah. Um, I know. I think whenever we went to Malaysia and just eating on the street markets, that changed because I was like, oh, my God, the flavor, what they, they can do on a street market is like, oh, my God. How That's can they not where do the that real food is. I'm addicted yeah. to um, TV shows on Netflix. There's one called Street Food, and it goes all over the world. Like, oh wow, I need to watch that. You do, you do. It's insane. Okay, so and we're going to start to uh, with like with a game that you should be the best at. Um, It's called How Big big Are Your Hits? Uh, Your hits, (laughs) and uh, basically we do a little scene, and we're only allowed to use your song titles in it. So uh, we'll go with uh, our start. So we'll say we're in a cafe in Paris. Um, obviously, you can say other words, but so we're sitting down in a cafe from Paris and I'll just say, um, oh, well, I mean, Danny, this is it. Uh, all I want to do is have a croissant. <laughs> uh, I just, I don't want to take this pain of eating <laughs> croissants because I'm trying to do no carbs at the moment. No more, no more. <laughs> um, oh, all I want to do is lose some weight. You know, these COVID pounds and stacking on. I know. I begin to wonder how we're going to get them off. <laughs> I know. If only there was perfection. If only we could be perfect. Well, I think I should just sign it off with us with some love and kisses. Oh, that's perfect. Very yeah. good. We did very well. It's very hard, that actually. That uh, yeah, it's that's quite hard. We did, I did, I played it with someone with Kylie's songs, actually, and uh, we went, we managed to go on forever. It is hilarious. Yeah. With someone from Charlotte some Neighbours. But okay, so we'll start, Starters is your early life, and yeah. you are the youngest daughter of Dancer Carol and Accountant Ronald, which when I, again, that's weird because my mum's Carol and my granddad's Ronald. So um, older sister, obviously someone called Kylie and brother Christian, uh, Cameraman Brendan. I said you were age seven when you started appearing on TV. So you were in Skyways, was it? I've never heard of that. And the Sullivans in 1979. Skyways was um, a soap on TV and Kylie and Jason were both on that. Oh, were they? I think they were playing brother and sister on it oh how weird (laughs) how weird but you know I mean as you've spoken to so many Aussies you know you turn up in this this soap opera and then another soap opera as somebody else um I think they were brother and sister and it was a bit like really huge popular um drama uh so I was seven when I did that and I just loved being on set I love you know working with other actors and you know taking direction from uh, the director and um, in in the scene, uh, this girl had a, a little mouse and she's boarding a plane and you can't take a mouse on a plane so she's <laughs> trying to hide it. So there was the mouse wrangler and of course there were lots of different mice. So if one Brilliant. you know ran away, stand by mice. With another one. <laughs> yeah. So the most difficult person on set was the little white. Thing. <laughs> Can you remember who you played? I found who you played in Skyways. Can you remember the name? Not a clue. She was Amy. 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 Yeah. Okay. And in the Sullivans? Uh, I don't think I had a name in the Sullivans. Well, so I read that you were you... Carla. I think you you weren't ever a nondescript person, which is a good start to the career. You weren't okay. just the number one girl. <laughs> yeah. So 
the way that the Sullivans happened was because um, that was huge as well, wasn't it? The Sullivans. Oh, uh, it was just massive, massive and produced yeah. so many huge actors and actresses. And um, Kylie was in that, and she had like a proper beefy role in it. And I remember her learning her lines, and it was just awesome to see her start with that craft. And you're like, oh my god, this you're gonna do this. It, the yeah. acting is your thing. It's so natural to her. She had to learn and accent for it and then um i don't remember what happens to her character on the show but later on somebody one of the characters that knew her looks at another girl and thinks is that her so of course oh that was you i see that was me I love the way Australian say it. It's horrible if I didn't get that role. Be like, (laughs) yeah, can you imagine? (laughs) Yeah. I always, I went on Lynn McGranger last series. What I loved, because what I always say, what I love about Australian soaps is they just replace people as well, like the drop of a hat. So I remember Pippa changed in Home and Away. And just for the whole episode, they were calling this woman Pippa. And you're like, why are they calling her Pippa? And you're like, oh, right, that's now Pippa. (laughs) Yeah. And Lucy Robinson went through about 10 incarnations. It's like amazing how how you just get away with it in Australia. Here, that I don't think they really do it as much here. Um, But in 1982. I have to say, just stop you. I love that interview with her. Oh. um, I've met her several times. She's brilliant. And she's lovely and warm and generous. But I didn't know anything about her until listening to your podcast and I felt like I could you know when I met her we were at work so there's not that time to to ask people questions but I really felt like I got to know her so much that if I saw her again now it would be completely different like I would feel like I knew her and I was so intrigued as to why as she got into you know working on a soap and and how nervous she was on set yeah. and all of that and I'm so dark at you by the way because you're like um, you're one of my favorite characters on Home and Away and I'm thinking yeah I'm next I'm next no didn't even make the list of your favorite characters on Home and Away you were one of my favorite characters but I I mean Irene is I mean she was always what I loved is she joined soap so she could do panto in England. I know. Just, I've like, never heard that before. That's no, never heard that before. Most people are like, okay, I'll do it for the money. But that, that was the dream. I love it. Um, yeah. We'll come to Home and Away, though. But in 1982, you joined the weekly program Young Talent Time, which, again, for people over in the UK, won't probably have known this. But it was again, it was like the Mickey Mouse Club, I suppose, in America that launched Britney and Justin Timberlake. I mean, just quickly veering off, when I did a Britney documentary and we went over to LA, the guy who found them in one session had, as kids, Christine Aguilera, Justin Timberlake, Ryan Gosling, Britney Spears, Jessica Simpson, in one audition. Like, what? That's just ridiculous. But Young Talents, I was kind of the same, wasn't it? That's where it launched, like, so many stars. It was. It was um, the big primetime show. It was live on a Saturday night. And it was the one show everyone sat down to watch. The nation stopped and you watched Young Talent Time. And then if you were older, you'd go out after that. And then if you're a family, you'd be putting the kids to bed. But everyone watched it. Watched it. it. And you saw these kids grow up on it. Like I watched it, watched other people on it before I joined it. And, uh, yeah, it it was, I guess, the only other thing like it was the Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah. And you were, I mean, it launched you massive. You became absolutely huge, didn't you, from that? So is it, is it quite, I mean, I think the world's changed so much now when it comes to fame because of social media and stuff. But for, yeah. as a child back then, was it 
hard to deal with. I suppose Kylie was always the older sister, so she was, you know, having the fame at the same time. But I think you you became re- really big really quickly, didn't you? She wasn't famous in the way no, after yeah. Young Talent Time um, when she was in the Henderson Kids and then it started to bubble and then she went on to Neighbours and that's yeah, when it blew yeah. up. But by um, then you had already kind of skyrocketed. Yeah, I I was, you know, like on my last years in the show. So you had to leave the show when you were 16 and then that enabled new kids to join the show, which okay. was great. How funny, you're gone. I know, yeah, too old, scrap. <laughs> yeah, um, wow. But, you know, like because I'd been on it since I was eight, so it was wow. like a really chunk, big chunk of my life. Um and um, Tina Arena, who is huge oh, yeah. uh, across Europe, she was on the show at the same time as me. And, um, yeah, it was it was great training, um, especially for uh, the soap opera schedule because yeah. the soap opera was full-time. When I did Young Talent Time because I was younger, I did regular school and then after school uh, I would go to rehearsals we rehearse all day Saturday, film Saturday night and have Sunday off. So that was pretty much gearing me up for what I was going to do on Home and Away. And, so, and I suppose as a kid as well, I think I, I read somewhere once, we all get this like mechanism at the front of our brains. Like it's almost like a health and safety chart as we get older. When you're younger, you just don't care. So live TV probably wasn't that big a thing when you were that age because it was just like, oh, it's just, do you know what I mean? You probably weren't as nervous, probably prepared you for life having to then sing in front of audiences and everything like that? I think it did because live TV is where I feel most comfortable. Yeah, and see. for most people, it freaks them out. They're like, oh, my God, it's live, it's live, it's live, and everybody's <laughs> yeah. running around in a flap. Um, but for me, I'm like, oh, it's live. That the like the last hour leading up to anything being live I'm getting adrenaline, so I'm getting excited. For sure yeah. I'm getting nervous, but I'm turning that into energy. And as soon as we're live, it's like You I go relax. into, yeah, yeah. See, it's mad, isn't it, that? Um, so it was a huge show. You recorded solo material on there, including Madonna's Material Girl. Uh, and I like that because in the end, one of your biggest songs, which song was it that they you used a sample of Madonna, didn't you, later on with the... Um, yeah, um, I'm, I'm the only person she's let do a mashup yeah I was gonna say because you have to go straight to her yeah it was into the groove and yeah um it was just mental because I was such a a fan of hers and really you can see if you look back at those clips like my hair was teased up I was (laughs) very much visually into what she was doing and uh there's a cute little Instagram uh called young talent time official that's just putting up all of these. Oh, I need to look lips. at this. Oh my god, I've got to send you a link. Oh so yeah. Good. Oh, amazing. Right, so well, let's move on. Let's move to Home and Away because in 1989 you joined. I didn't realize this because actually I did love Emma Jackson loads, but I thought you were in it for like three or four years. You're only in it for a year. It was that yeah. much of an impact you made because you even got nominated for a Silver Logie. Oh, I've always loved that name, Logie uh, Awards as most popular actress after a, uh, just in a year. But yeah. I mean, yeah. so they must have worked you to death because I remember you being, you were like the main person in it. And it was such yeah. a brilliant character, wasn't it? There were so, so many scripts. And, yeah, I was originally signed for 12 weeks. So they were, like, pushing for those 12 weeks to just pack everything yeah. in. 
and it had already taken off from there. So they were like, we we need you to stay. And mentally I was ready to go after 12 weeks because <laughs> yeah. that, that's what I'd signed on to do. So yeah. I always thought I'd do that and I'll leave. Um, but then they wanted me to stay. So I, I kept just extending by these little bits and little bits. So I guess for the writers it must have been <laughs> a nightmare. horrible because, they yeah, they never knew when. That's probably the best the way to do it be. because then they keep you in loads of stuff, though. They yeah, don't, maybe. You, you don't end up just ordering a milkshake. But I read that you, uh, uh, you originally auditioned for Marilyn. I did, that, and it was wow. the worst audition. Really? Um, yeah, it was really, really crap. And uh, I knew it at the time. Like I knew when I went in there, as soon as I opened ma- my mouth, I was like, this is not working this is <laughs> for <not> anyone. For <laughs> <laughs> and how funny, because I know um, uh, Emily now, because she came into Emmerdale, obviously, when I was directing Emmerdale. Yeah, I mean, she, she's amazing. She is so, so... She is Marilyn. And she is Marilyn, as yeah. Soon as, yeah, as soon as she says those lines, you're like, there's no one else that could do it. In the opposite, when I said them, you're like, you are the furthest thing from, from Marilyn. Like, you are, yeah, no. <laughs> but, so then then they wrote a role specifically for you, didn't they? They wrote Emma for you. They were obviously yeah, like, let's, guess... let's go to the other extreme of Marilyn for Danny. Yeah, yeah they, they were like, you know, we, we want to write something for you if you still, like, want to do this. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I want to, but I, I just knew Marilyn wasn't for me. And then... When they came back with a brief on Emma, I was like, oh, yes. Yeah, because yeah, so meaty. The whole of Australia knew me from Young Talent Time and this is the, a really wholesome yeah. family, as you say, like Mickey Mouse Club. And you could not put a foot wrong. You, you know, sort of we had basic media training. You cannot do anything out of line because no, it's like you've got a halo shining around you the whole time on that isn't it yeah and I you know I'm not the mean bad girl but it just felt so good yeah to let out some energy and let off some steam so I put everything into Emma it was it, it was a dream for me I think it it helped me like maybe not have a breakdown after leaving the show because lots of people didn't know how to handle it like when you left the show oh no I found out from this podcast mm -hmm. I've really realized that most people that have come especially if they haven't chosen to leave uh they've really had a problem which is a really serious thing to talk about like mental health because you go from suddenly being here and then you realize quite quickly that you know you're you're very forgettable and you know you're, you're it's not like everyone will have their attention on you which is quite hard for people to cope with I think yeah yeah, I mean, thing. I never expected to do anything after Young Talent Time. I was just part of a big machine. And most people who left the show really didn't go on to have that big music career. Yeah. Um, Tina certainly did. Um, and we were in the same year, but I was like, oh, I don't sing like Tina, so she's going to be the one. Um, so, yeah, I think in a lot of ways and this has never ever come up in an interview before because just the way you've approached it is processing in my head now that in a lot of ways that I reckon that did really save me it, it took every bit of concentration to yeah. get through the the workload each week plus 
I'd never lived away from home before. So I was in this beautiful family life that I loved and I was not ready to leave home. Yeah. Then I had my other family at Young Talent Time. And then when I got the role, they were like, you've got to be in Sydney. So in a completely different city, completely different state, like within weeks, I had to find somewhere to live. Oh, my God. I had to get a driver's license, go and buy a car so that I could drive myself to work. But I'm literally back there, and this will blow your mind, it was a a map book, The Gregory's, and I'm (laughs) opening up The Gregory's and I'm like, getting like a, a, a neon marker to to go I plan had to your get, routes yeah I had to get all the way like if you know Sydney North yeah. Sydney Neutral Bay I lived all the way up to Palm Beach it's over an hour drive and I'd have to be there at 7 a.m and not get lost you know and then the studios at the time were in Epping so like in a completely different direction it was like this Bermuda yeah, triangle yeah, yeah. that I had to get around so um that took every bit of concentration just to learn to the line, get, get to work, get up there, and that probably took took the whole downer off sitting at home going, what now? What now? And that's what I love. I think people listening as well, like people see stars and actors as some some different walk of life, which it's not. It's like you get a job on something like home, and suddenly it's the same as if anyone gets a job somewhere else. It's like you've got to plan all the normal life stuff. Like you need somewhere to live. It's not like they suddenly give you a magical castle the home and away castle that you suddenly move into is it it's like you're just yeah. a jobbing actor yeah and there's no you know if you are feeling down about it or not knowing how to cope about it there would be nowhere for me to turn because there wasn't a street for me to walk down that someone wouldn't recognize, wouldn't recognize me you. and then look at me and go oh what are you doing now <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know so but was it was it did it ever was it a tough decision at all did you did it ever play on your mind because Kylie obviously by this point is absolutely you know neighbors itself actually not just Kylie is humongous like the biggest thing over here I love my the story over here where it got put on at tea time because everyone was I remember bunking school at lunch so the BBC chose to put it on at tea time as well to stop people missing their education. Um, but it was that big. Did that ever, ever play on your mind not to go into a soap? Because people might be like, oh, you know, I suppose you've worked so much together. But did it play on your mind? I suppose having that real meaty part really helped as well. Because I think it changed everyone's, it, you know, when something you go, oh, my God, she's an amazing actress, which is what that did as well for you. Yeah, it was so much fun. But the weird thing was because... Growing up doing Young Talent Time, there was school. I had to do all my homework at lunchtime, otherwise I wouldn't get it done. After school, I went straight from rehearsals and we'd finish anywhere between 7 and 9.30 at night. Then I'm coming home and getting ready for school again. So I didn't watch other TV shows. Like people now will be like, oh, you remember, and they'll, they'll name like the biggest show and I'm like, no. I never saw it because I there was no time and there was no catch up TV. I couldn't. No, like, no, yeah, you had to watch it when it was on. Yeah, yeah. So um, I had never seen a soap opera, and no American ones, no Australian ones, and I'd never watched one. And uh, so it was really weird when they were asking me to go on it, and it wasn't like when I saw Kylie. You know, as a kid learning her lines, I thought there's a passion there. You can see. Yeah, that's yeah, what she yeah. Wants you knew do. it was going to happen. I felt like when I was doing it as a kid, I I loved those roles that I had, but 
if for me it lent more towards the singing and the dancing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so I thought it's it's a great opportunity. It will really give me time to think about what to do. <laughs> yeah, and open doors, and, open doors, especially over in the UK, which it did for everyone in those shows because obviously oh it, was, it was so much bigger over here than it was in Australia, both of them. Yeah, and looking back on it, you'd think that that would have been at the forefront of my mind because by then it, it was, was and people huge, were going yeah. over to the UK. Um, but for me, as I say, I was so consumed in just coming out of Young Talent Time and being a kid that was just leaving home for the first time, I couldn't even think beyond that. There was no. no and I think, I think I do that in telly still, like big shows come up and I don't think, oh, I want to work on it because it's the biggest show. I'm always just can't, you know, putting it into what my job will be and what my role will be. I don't actually think about how big the show is because that doesn't really actually enter into your head bizarrely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Work on a little it show. Can't. No. Because it distracts you. <laughs> it, will, it totally distracts you. But so Emma was... Uh, she was described, Emma Jackson was described as a punk, a spunky toy boy and a teen rebel. She was arrogant and would slam the door in every scene. That was a review, I think, which I love. <laughs> that does totally and, sum her up. Because I remember you had really black, you had really dark hair in it as well, didn't you? That's yeah, what I we, mostly remember about Emma, just seeing Danny Minogue and being like, oh my God, her hair's so dark. Yeah, we dyed the hair black and... Did you um, have a play in that? Did you kind of consciously work with makeup and costume about the look? We did. We had this whole, like, um, session, you know, putting it together and the wardrobe lady put this, like, big black leather jacket on me and as soon as that went on, I was like, boom, I felt, you know, indestructible and then everything else had to live up to how strong that jacket was. A bit like if you look back at Greece, you know, and the T-Birds and stuff, it was yeah, all yeah. about their um, their jackets that they had on that made them the rebels. They weren't the lettermen. They were the, you know, the, yeah. the leather jacket boys. So, um, it yeah. It often is one thing, really isn't it, me. actors say, yeah, mm. one thing or just it's like even Beyonce says she created that personality on stage so then she knows she's that person. Do you know what I mean? It just gives you that instant right now. I'm Emma Jackson. And I've always said playing a part like that, I've had so many people on the show play baddies as well. And it must be amazing because you get to go to work and do the stuff that you never would do in real life and you get away with it. You know what I mean? It's it like almost was. exercising the inner demons in us all. <laughs> it was so good. And, you know, I've been drawn to a, a lot of, um, you know, the more naughty characters since then. Like in, in Greece, I was offered Sandy in Australia and I was like, no. no. I have to play Rizzo. Yeah. Who wants to play <laughs> and Sandy? And then, you know, I got to play Lady Macbeth up in oh. Edinburgh. And, you know, it kind of, and then not that in Notre Dame Esmeralda was bad, but, you know, she, everybody was looking at her like this gypsy girl. And then she ends up dying. I was like, you know, the second show that I end up dying in. I was like, I'm pretty good at dying (laughs) night after night. And it's quite good. Everyone always says it's quite good to die, especially in a soap, because it's the end then. You know, like you've got loads of people, uh, there's just, uh, actors just gone back into EastEnders now. And I think if it's always left over, you always tend to go back. So it's quite hard. But right, I'm going to quickly quiz you about Emma Jackson. Now, whether you remember these things. So I do remember this. Who did Emma first come to stay with? It was her aunt. 
Elsa. Yeah, Elsa. Yeah. And Elsa. And, he, and, and he's, Ray's still there, isn't he? What? How amazing. It's like, oh my God, he what a living is. legend. And I'm still like in awe of both of them. They, was, they, they she really was took amazing. me under she their amazing, wing. Yeah. And, you know, for the writers to write that, that boom, she's straight in with these serious characters. Yeah. Um, they must have had some trust in me because, like, I look back at those scenes now and to hold your own with these actors yeah. that are just, it's its just they glide through everything and they're so iconic. I don't know what I was thinking, but maybe youth was on my side. Oh, yeah, that not, was, you didn't have that thing so in the front of your it. brain. And also, did you at all, because I... I Neil, a guy who was in EastEnders, actually said before he joined, and he was like, "Oh my god, I'm suddenly going to be with like Lacey Turner and stuff." He watched it just to gauge their level of like performance, because as he said, every show has their different level of stuff. So, did you kind of had you watched it, or was it too? Some people go, "Oh, I couldn't watch it because it was too scary." Or had you kind of watched those characters thinking, "Right, this was how I'll approach it." I watched some episodes, and I. I honestly thought I'm just gonna burst in, in yeah. and just shock and just you know just be this wild thing. Whirlwind, which you were, that's what seen. you came in as. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know if it was the producer said to me or whatever, but probably like, you know, this this she needs to really you know, instigate change. Yeah. And did. also we talked about Irene. Actually, Irene was quite a character like that as well. She just came in all guns blazing. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It was like, it was like carnage when Irene came in. It was amazing. Um, but I love what she said in her interview that you never completely plan what you're going to do in the scene. No, until you're Because you don't know what other people are going to do. So, um That's always amazing, the- don't you think? That's amazing. When I've directed... And I go on set with always an idea of what I thought the scene was going to be, but obviously willing to. And then when someone or people play it, totally different than you'd seen it. And you're like, oh, my God, I never I never would have. But that wow, that decision you made. It's incredible when you see people. What I love about drama is people bouncing on, off each other on set. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And because so so fast, it's a make because it's just literally there and you record it. It's incredible, isn't it? When you must have had scenes where you're like, oh, that was magical. We had. um like you only have a short amount of time to block and yeah. shoot, but um, some days they would rewrite, and literally you had like fifteen minutes left in the studio, <laughs> oh and it's and the lights are going off, and someone <laughs> runs on with this stack of papers and says, "Learn this, you've got one take," and the director goes, "I don't know, walk in there, stand there, and we're going to end there, let's do it," and. That was frightening. That was really, really scary. I know. Right, next question. When she started at Summer Bay High, what did she organise a student rebellion against? Um, It was against, um, well, there was one against Vicky because she said Vicky was lying about the teacher. Um, I've got the school uniform here. Apparently she rebelled against the school uniform and led a whole student. thing because she was I remember she was the girl that you had at school that would be like everything was just not how it should be in the uniform yes and anything you could change was changed (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> just yeah. to annoy people. Like it wasn't exactly. even. Yeah, love just it. So that she could get out of school. Of class, even yeah. if it meant it was detention and being told off was better than having to think. And then this is my favourite one because I I couldn't remember this. Do you remember what job Emma left to do? She went to Brisbane, and was it something to do with uh, airlines? Yeah, to be an air hostess. What? Oh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. that's a cool job. Not something you would expect Emma to be doing. An air hostess no. on the Gold Coast. What a journey no. she went through in a year. <laughs> I know, I know. Amazing. I mean, from a snotty kid to that. To an air hostess. Moving on to singing. So you signed a contract with Mushroom Records in 89. First album, Danny, released in Australia, reached 24. Released in the UK a year later, renamed Love and Kisses and peaked at number eight. And instantly, really, from then, the UK totally took you on board more at the beginning of chart positions didn't they than australia like it, again I suppose like the soaps you just became huge over here was it weird seeing that did you expect because of young talent time had you expected to do you know what i mean be, be it the other way around did, did you worry okay. that it might be crap hard to crack the uk because like you said you hadn't really taken it on board the uk thing i guess i was with the same management as kylie kylie had already been there with her singing and done it um so I knew that management-wise, if anyone could do it, Terry could. Yeah. It was just whether people took to me, whether it was the right thing for the market because I'd originally caught, recorded my album in America and had a much more R&B yeah. vibe. They remixed a lot of stuff for the UK because it was just too American. Um, and, but I think it, it landed then in a really nice place in between kept kept its roots but gotten more of a pop sensibility to it um but it was weird because at that time there was such a long lag between us filming home and away and it being yeah oh it was like seven eight months yeah so i arrived i my head had been in a completely different space (laughs) promoting an album i've left that that's long long gone (laughs) yeah home away And, and people are running down the street after me going Emma Emma and I'm thinking who are they screaming at <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile it's gotten on <laughs> yeah no yeah it's bizarre we were about eight months behind so I remember yeah it was totally totally different and then so um what what would you say is your favorite because I think loads of people I did some social media about this before and the song that comes up as everyone's favorite song from your scene crib mostly is all I want to do which I think is one of my favourite songs as well. It's kind of like you went more dancey, didn't you? Like you said you started R&B again. Was that a conscious decision? Was it like, oh, this is my market? Or is that kind of the music that you were like, I love this kind of music? So all I want to do was from the second album, Girl. Yeah, Girl. I I think the big one from the first one was This Is It. Yeah, which was huge. And Jump to to the Beat was Jump to the Beat, the first one as well. Yeah, and Jump to the Beat. And then all I want to do... was where it took a bit of departure and on that song I remember them playing it to me in the studio and I was like I don't know if I'm right for this yeah and I knew it was a great song but I'm like I just don't know if it's me and my friend Terry Ronald was there and he's like oh who's brilliant no you've got to do this so like the success of that was down to Terry being in the studio with me saying wow no, let's just sing it down. You know, we've got to do this. So that that was fun. And then um, when it came to um, 
then there was Get Into You album. And yeah. then, then there was one single that um, uh, that Pete Tong wanted me to do called Who Do You Love Now? Oh, that's my, just that a, was, just, I think that's about when we met actually, because that was with Reba, wasn't it? And you were that, that was yeah. a, that was a thumping. Before, quickly, before we move on from I Want to Do, I found a review of it, which I love. This is from the Daily Mirror, called it a bass thumping, shuddering return. <laughs> I know, how was that? It got to number four in the charts, which is amazing. Um, so good. But yeah, Who Do You Love Now? I mean, that was a proper, like, you know, you have pop dance songs, but that was a proper, like, a, a club dance song, wasn't it, that? Yeah, I mean, that was on Pete Tong's label, yeah. um, Double oh, F, I didn't realise that, wow. And it went to London Records, and then London Records was owned by Warners. So um, after that uh, single came out, they were like, do you want to do an album? And I was like, yes. And then that was that became Neon Nights. So um, I've had like a, a lot of um, real. I don't know if it's luck or you're in you're in the right place at the right time, and you're prepared to say yes, and you're prepared yeah. to work so hard and do whatever to make it happen. And it what a journey. And I remember that album because I remember we had a listening party. You had a listening party. And it was the chart. We were listening to the charts. Do you remember? We didn't know the position because it was for the song. Which one was it? I, I begin to wonder. I think. Yeah, I, and I think to it, wonder, that was so nerve wracking. I was because everyone was like, it could get to number Christina one. Aguilera's beautiful that yeah. week, and I was yeah. ahead of her all week. And it was just that last day of sales that she went to number one, and I was at number two. So it was. Epic. We still went was, mad because it was a, it was such yeah. when you're involved because again younger listeners won't realize that back in the day back in the day <laughs> we're so old now but the charts were like whoever went on Saturday morning kids TV the r- sales would rocket but that week yeah. was so exciting if there were two songs and there often were that were like neck and neck it'd be like and being with you as the artist it's just as ex- obviously more exciting but it's like the energy is just amazing isn't it it's incredible to yeah. be involved in music back then I think so I think it's totally different now yeah it, it is different and um I think there's there's so much more variety now because you know we got to that place where people could upload their own music yeah um but yeah it was it was a wild time I've, w- I've had so much good fun in London and you know just uh, to think back of all, all the different crazy things I've done there, it's awesome. Amazing. And will you ever, do you think another, would you ever do another album? I mean, just probably never say no if something came up. Do you still think you might, you know, suddenly go back to your R&B? Or do, do you think you might do some more music? Um, I think if you're going to do an album justice you've got to put everything behind it for it to be really successful. Yeah, it's so hard now, I think. Even for um, big, Ray's just recently who's massive Ray here, but um, they won't even release an album yet from her because to get that much, you know, the record companies just don't put money behind anyone now. It's so hard. Yeah, I I just, time-wise, being a mum, so Ethan, yeah. my son, is 11, and I love being involved in his life. Yeah. And to do music, you're on the road. To make a record happen, you, you you've got to be in the TV shows, you've got to do all of the other shows, radio shows and da-da-da. And I just, I don't want to miss out on that time no, with him. so much so like, I do like little one-off things with music um, yeah. that are fun. 
Yeah, and that's what keeps people going. And so we'll move to dessert, which will be life up to date, but also we'll mention X Factor, of course, which I came to see loads in. But you became a judge in 2007 on the fourth series. You had instantly yeah. had wins. Uh, you had Leon, you had Matt win. And again, it was like the magical time of X Factor because X Factor was absolutely ginormous, wasn't it? I mean, it was such electric live telly and the artists were... I mean, it wasn't like the artists that they all went on to be huge. Yeah, it it was like before I was on the show, I was watching it and I loved the judges and I loved the performances and I loved the laughter and I just thought this, it, like, it's big but, like, it's already big. Like, it's not going to be bigger than that. And then um, I joined it and I remember there was a real big hoo-ha, like, what do we need another judge for and why her? Yeah. And um, it was really like in those press conferences, I just wanted the ground to swallow me up because um it was tense. I'm like, I don't know, this could really not work. This well, it's really like you were a judge, but people were judging the judges just as much as people were judging the contestants. Like the judges were, because I always thought when they brought the judges out, it was like, you know, there's not many shows, even on The Masked Singer, they don't really make a big, as big a thing about the judges. Yeah. But the judges were like, first out, Simon Cow, Danny Mello, it was just like you were a contestant. People were going, well, I don't really like her. Well, I love her. Do you know what I mean? Wasn't it? It was mad. Louis, I mean, Louis went and came and went about 10 times. <laughs> I know. And then by the time Cheryl um, joined, uh, I remember those moments when the doors would open and you knew that people's mobile phones were going, what is going she mad. wearing? Is yes, it good? Totally. Do you like it? <laughs> yeah. Did you have did, did you have those moments in the dressing room of literally going through a thousand outfits? Did you feel that? Because, again, social media just started to really take off did you feel the pressure or again did you just think uh, I'm gonna do my thing I I'm pretty organized so I like to have it organized ahead of time and yeah. not be scrambling at the last minute plus things don't fit me so a lot <laughs> yeah. of it was couture like I had it made uh, they were like one-off pieces um and if it was like borrowed from a designer it had to be totally altered so you you've got you've got to have at least a week to 10 day turnaround to make that happen and so was it hard again was it hard to leave a show like that because when you're involved in something so big is it always a decision like home and away everything I suppose is it is again does it just I mean I'd say for my thing I'm always I always literally go I'll wake up and be like oh it's time to leave this thing now I instantly get uh, a thing yeah so I'm not the only one I it's it's the thing and I guess that first heartbreak of leaving Young Talent Time really toughened my heart and my soul and got all my senses really acute and aware and ready. And so um, like when then I was on um, Home and Away and they said, stay, 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 yeah. then there was just a time when I knew I, I, I have to yeah. leave when it it just feels like, I'm done here. Yeah. And nothing bad against the show or anything. It's just like that's that's it. And um, I was on a mission to do other stuff even though, you know, it was not the most solid, sure plan, but it was like it was to, after releasing my album here, to go to England for a three-week trip. That's all it was, a three-week trip. 
Wow. Just, just to wow. see if the vibe was happening. And then I never came back. I lived there for 22 years. Yeah. Oh, my God. Having set off for a three-week trip. <laughs> so, three-week trip. <laughs> so but then by the time I did X Factor, I'd done that on a few huge shows. Like, yeah. So it wasn't unusual to me. It was just when I left um, X Factor, I had never left something that big. So that on that last show where we came out through the screens, there were 20 million people watching. I know. Now, wow. I mean, you can imagine my manager's face when I say to her, I'm um, going. I'm done now. <laughs> I'm, not, yeah. I'm not going back. I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. Um, right. And <laughs> right. Okay. She, she asked me why. And, <laughs> But we've, we've actually worked together for a long time and, um, you know, sometimes she'll question it just to make sure that I've thought through everything. Yeah. But she knows when I'm ready to walk out the door, it would be really stupid to try and get me to stay because my heart's There's, not in it. And Yeah, I, you're I like me. I just have my husband instead of my manager who's, who will go, <laughs> right, he'll do the same thing, like make sure you thought about it. But then he'll be like, right, yeah, no, I know you totally. That's... Yeah. <laughs> there's no there's no changing anything yeah um so then you obviously went on so you've done you did you did loads of judging in australia the x factor and stuff you've done the mass singer which has now come here which is a crazy mad brilliant show it's kind of caught the world alight again yours was the first yeah. wasn't it i mean when when you get offered yeah. i mean i imagine that's the same as me being offered some direction jobs where you're like what that sounds insane like did you think that sounds mad yeah i mean there were kind of two moments where I got the opportunity to start a show, and that was Australia's Got Talent. Yeah, wow. Um, I did like six or seven series here, and uh, The Masked Singer, starting off from the first show. Yeah. And that's exciting. Yeah. Um, and cra- the craziest thing is when we, we'd, we'd shot it all, the show's in the bag, and we're going out to do press on it, and people are like, <laughs> so what's the show about? And you try to explain it, and they're like, uh... <laughs> and I said, I know it doesn't make sense. It shouldn't make sense. It if you read it on paper, it shouldn't work. But no, I know. I said, just watch one episode, just so that you can write it off and you can go, nah, not for me. Just watch one. And yeah. everyone watched it and they were hooked. It shouldn't work, but it does. It totally does. The only thing that annoys me with the one over here, especially, is they're going. I mean, maybe it is kind of, you know, Britney Spears. You're like, well, it's not, it's not Britney Spears. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, when you go, although so Dennis, some of the best singers get voted off at first. It's amazing because you honestly don't know who they are because the clues are so hard that they give the as clues, well. I mean, I wish I could just sit there and go like that and not listen to the Yeah, they, 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 take, they totally just... take you down the wrong road. You've also then yeah. got your fashion line. I mean, just to add yeah. another bow. So the QVC thing, Danny Minogue Petites. I mean, what you've obviously always been into fashion, like you said, and, you know, being shorter and everything. Like you said, a lot of stuff doesn't fit you. Was that the inspiration yeah. to kind of bring out your own thing for other people like you? Totally. I am... Um... I had my own label when I was 17. So after that success of Young Talent Time, I yeah. had my own clothing label from back then. My grandma taught me how to sew. Wow. Um, then I did a label with my friend in London called Project D, the Tabitha yes. Web. That was a lot of fun. But it wasn't like petite clothing. It wasn't made to fit me. So I still had to alter all of the dresses to fit me. Um, and then... I started my own petite label in Australia, which I've now been doing for seven years. And now we've, we're 
you know, launching with QVC in the UK, which is incredible. This is super special for me because not only is it petite clothing, but it's got a different size range. So in Australia, we go from size 4 um, to 16. And in the UK, we go from size 6 to 22. So that's a whole like different wow, yeah. fashion that I haven't been able to work before and I've wanted to. That's so, brilliant. Yeah, they're, they're, they're awesome to work with um, and I do jewellery as well. And we're starting off with some things like T-shirts and jewellery that are unisex um, that a lot of guys have been wearing, posting me pictures of it. So I kind of, you know, want to do more of that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think everything's gone more unisex, hasn't it? Especially I yeah. always wear perfume. I don't feel think twice about buying a perfume now if I like the smell what of it. What perfume do you wear? Oh, I can't think what the one is that I've got at the moment. Uh, oh, uh, it's flowery. I'll get, I'll, let me go and get the bottle. Hold on. Yeah, I'm intrigued. It's not Octa... It's... Uh, a Locatan. Yeah. Which is a perfume, that, I'm sure. Yeah. But yeah. it's... Go- oh, my God, it's... Oh, my God, it's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, wow. Uh, so, um, okay, so then, obviously, being... So there's so much going on. You've got the podcast as well, which is... You can look back at 90s music, or you look back at eras of music. So it's just the 90s. So I've got a radio station the best that plays... era. 90, yeah, that's my era. So <laughs> yeah. we, we play 90s music um, 24-7. It goes from rock to grunge to pop to dance. And there's like little just intros from me. The podcast is a deep dive into the 90s, the artists, the fashion, news, who's getting married, who's breaking up. Which we know, love. <laughs> what's going on. And like the I had to just I had to tell my dad what a podcast was the other day. Like he was he's like, I don't understand. What 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 what's this podcast thing that you do? So um well it's know, a really big with- important thing we're, for this series actually which is a big thing to champion we're doing a campaign that if you know an older person if you've got a nan and granddad on their own like get their phone and get them in get allow them to get podcasts because there's hours and millions of podcasts that are amazing for people who are lonely sat at home who might not want to watch telly who can just sit because it is radio on demand so i think we're making this big champion thing here to kind of get old people listening to podcasts because actually there's so, so much glad. there for them yeah i'm so glad you are because for years, we've always talked about how fabulous it was back in the day when people used to, families would gather around the radio and listen yes, to something yeah. that would really take your mind away. And I found that during COVID, really podcasts have been a savior for me to be yeah. able to listen to voices and stories. And it takes my mind off what's happening and and filters out a lot of the news. So I did yeah. quickly check into the news and then... I would like Just to go and my yeah. brain travel. Well, it was Sophie Ellis Bex's podcast that made me start mine because I listened to hers and I was just transported into the little room with her. And I felt like, which I want people to feel with this one, that you're just sat with us kind of joining the conversation. And it's lovely because it yeah. does transport you and it enables things that television can't do. I mean, soap stars, especially over here on, on TV shows, because no one, TV doesn't want to know about their lives, which is mad because the audience do. So, yeah. Um, but to end with, obviously, we said you're a mummy. I mean, that must change your whole life. I mean, I've got dogs now, which changed my life because uh, I feel like a dad to them and I don't want to be away. So yeah. having an actual human being, it must, is it ama- uh, amazing being a mum? I mean, I know you'd be the best in the world. So it must be incredible. I, I guess the most incredible thing is like my whole life growing up and particularly like when we first met, 
I had no intention of being mum. I had no. no intention of like settling down and making school lunches. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, like the, just before I came on to do this, I'm like, oh my god, it's the school newsletter. What, what have I got to know now? What well, what which do is I have bad, to yeah. fill out and do? There's a lot of admin. <laughs> um, but you know, I love it, and I've just took to it. And the weirdest thing was um, that I think opened me up to it was doing X Factor. So mentoring and uh, feeling yes. like I was looking after them. I got to teach them stuff that I knew, like that I had lived and I'd been on stage and I know the feelings and feeling like that I could, you know, maybe help them on their way to this thing that they wanted so badly made me feel really maternal and I never felt that feeling before. Wow, Even okay, when yeah. my brother had his kids, I'm like, I'd pick them up like, <laughs> what, do, uh, what do I do with it? What them? do I do? do have I, it back, have it yeah. back. I love it, but have it back. Yeah. So it wasn't um, until X Factor that I was like, oh, I, I've got that feeling like it's my responsibility and I want them to do so well. Oh, well, that's amazing. And then obviously you turn the big five O this year again, which I think as you get older, I mean, I'm certainly like this, that I see everything as a celebrate. Because I know people used to always say to me about being 40, that you get to this point where suddenly you don't really care what people think about you, which I was like, no way. I'm always going to care so much what people think about. It so happened. <laughs> At 40, I was like, oh my God, I actually don't care whether people like me. If you don't like who I am, you don't like who I am. And so I like kind of love the adventure of getting older, actually. Yeah, it is an adventure. And I've always looked forward and always like wanted to get older. And from 50, like I still feel very young. I, I'm still doing all of the same things yeah. know, that I was doing a while ago. So it's still pretty much in a pattern. I know it's going to change at some point, but like I do often have a little chuckle and think I kind of am looking forward to being old and grumpy like you know when you hit that age and you're yeah. allowed to be grumpy when you really people, don't care about anyone yes, and people opinion. just look at you and go oh, old person you know? <laughs> yeah yeah and they're quite scared i'm looking for we've always had a thing our friends that we're all going to put our money in when you know when you need to leave your house all put our money in and just get a big like service villa abroad you know with pool boys and cooks and and then if you die you sign the thing that everything gets left to the people remaining. <laughs> yes. You and I have talked about we this. We talked before. about this, yeah. It's the only way to go, isn't it? You know. Yeah. I want to be surrounded by friends. Yeah. And, um, you know, we'll probably get to meet each other every day. Oh, hi. How are you? Yeah, oh, we're still <laughs> alive. <laughs> Woo! A celebration every day. Who's alive? Who's going to make it through the night? Yeah, um, I'm in. So, you know, yeah, make we're sure doing I'm still it. on that list. So we're going to end with a quick fire round, which is just really stupid questions. So salty or sweet? Uh, salty. Uh, this is new for this series, by the way, everyone. Tea or coffee? Ooh. Coffee. Yeah, all the way. Um, Simon or Louis, just for you? Simon. Uh, Justin Bieber or Justin Timberlake? Very hotly uh, contentious, this. Oh, Bieber. Oh, really? I thought you'd do Timberlake. Oh, wow, I'm Timberlake. Um, and all I want to do or I begin to wonder. Ooh. Oh. Oh. I don't you know. You can't make me choose on those two. I think I would go all I want to do just. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay, yeah. So that brilliant. Well, listen, it's been amazing to have you on and launch series three of Soap from the Box. We couldn't have started in any better a way, as far as I'm concerned. And don't think Thank I was you. being dark. I do love Emma Jones. She's still the fact <laughs> I, I can remember the first thing where she waltzes in the diner. I can remember it literally uh, to this day. And when I read that review that she slams every door, it brings back the memories of the character so much, actually. I know the walls used to always wobble, you know. Yeah, I know, that's the thing, it's so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't actually slam the door with the wall then falling down. But it's been amazing to have you on. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I have to say something. If you leave it in, you leave it in. If you cut it out, you cut it out. But I'm so proud of you and what oh, you've thank done. thank you. You've had such a wild, amazing career. You're so respected and loved and this podcast is incredible because this is what you've done. You know it and you've got such a connection to all the actors that have been on the shows and it is fantastic. So believe it, I'm going to be saying to everyone, you have to go on Lee's podcast. Oh, brilliant. Like, oh, thank you. No, that means a lot. Yeah. And it's love- it's, it is lovely when you're, I mean, like I said, I did it because I want to champion these actors who are looked down upon as well because it's like if you... That, I had Alan Cumming on my radio show and he was in a soap and doesn't look back on it in a bad way because he's like literally if you can do so you can do anything like if you yeah. can so all respect to all the actors but yeah it's been amazing too and it's so nice isn't it when something takes off it's like oh yay so yeah but thank you that means a lot to say that yeah not so, only does it take off but it's like that circle moment where you've 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 done all of that and it makes sense and yes yeah totally totally makes sense Thank you so much to my fabulous guest and friend, Danny Minogue, for being the first person to join me on season three of Soap from the Box. And extra special festive news, Danny and I will be back on Christmas Eve in Christmas jumpers, no less, for another special episode where we celebrate Christmas in style with a glass of Kylie Minogue Prosecco Rosé. I cannot wait. Go and grab your bottle of Kylie Wines from your nearest supermarket. It is delicious and if you would like to win a bottle of kylie minogue signature rose in a special gift box then head over to soap from the boxes social media pages on instagram twitter and facebook and also huge news you can watch this very interview danny and i envision on soap from the boxes youtube channel right now as usual i'd like to thank ian mccallum for his press help and the brilliant david stevens and the bothy for edit and technical wizardry Right, we will be back on Christmas Eve, plus there's another treat coming your way on Christmas Day itself. More to be revealed very soon. We can't take the excitement right now. See you all on Christmas Eve. Have a good time. Last minute Christmas shopping. Have a good week. See you soon. (laughs) 